the Sunday Sermons Podcast. We are part of the great adventure that the Bible tells us about. All those little stories that make up one great big amazing story, we're the last chapter of that. Or at least we can be. If we get the job done in our lifetime, Jesus will come back in our lifetime. If we don't, he won't. Do you guys get that? Do you get the gravity of that? The responsibility and the amazing joy and possibility that is in that? Jesus gave us a chance to be part of this great adventure. We represent what he came into this world to represent what he is in unique ways. We represent that now to the world, the hope, the joy, the peace, all of it. And it really is a great adventure. And so as we've been walking through, we've got graphics that remind us of old adventure movies back in the day. We've been talking about some stories that are great adventures. Today is no exception. Of course, we're going to focus on the scripture, but you got to indulge me. How many out there like Indiana Jones? Good, good. So you'll get at least some of this. I, I love Indiana Jones. I like all three movies. The fourth doesn't count. I really especially like the last one, or the third one, with uh, his dad in it, and uh, it's, it's so fun. I'll talk more about that in a second, but the main thing that kicks it off is you get to see his backstory. Within the first couple of minutes, as the, as the story starts, you get to find out where Indy got his love for all things old, where he got his whip, where he got his scar on his chin, where he got his hat, where he got his fear of snakes. You, you get the whole thing. And, and it's, it's cool. And, and here's why I bring that up. The backstory always matters. It, we did, we, let's put it this way. If you've got the sermon outline, which again is always a Bible study, I hope you take this home. There's more on here than what I say out loud. But the first idea on there is just a simple fact. It doesn't even have scriptures next to it. It's just the truth. We dare not ignore the past. Would you say that out loud with me? We dare not ignore the past. Here, here, here's the thing. The beauty of life has God has created is we live in the present and we aren't defined by the past. We can make changes, but we dare not ignore it. The past is the past. How we got here today matters. It, it, we, we, this is point A, no matter where point B needs to be. Does that make sense? And we dare not, as Christians, assume that people understand or feel the same things we think about when we say the word Christian or even Christ follower. When we say, I'm a Christian, or if we say things like, hey, you should get back in church. That kind of stuff just feels really different to a lot of people because we don't know what their past has been, what they've experienced from people who claimed to be Christians, what, what they've experienced in church or from church people. We don't know where they're coming from. And that matters. That's going to shape everything they think and feel. We have a chance to make a difference in the present. We have a chance to affect the future, but we can't just ignore the past. And the truth is that in these last 2,000 years since Jesus started the church, the church has done some wonderful good things. The world is a better place because of the church in many, many ways. But there's also been some bad stuff. There's been some straight-up ugly stuff. There have been things that Christians have done or ignored ever since Jesus first started his kingdom that have really messed things up and failed to accomplish what he wanted us to accomplish. 
The church started out really strong. In, in Acts, in, in the New Testament, we see that it started out looking a lot like how Jesus designed his new kingdom to look. But it started to degenerate as soon as we started adding our own ideas into it. As soon as we started mixing in the ideas of how to build an earthly kingdom, things messed up. Here's just a couple of highlights from history. Uh, when the emperor of Rome, King, uh, not King, Emperor Caesar, um, gosh, I can't talk. Let's try this one more time. When the emperor of Rome, Augustine, I said it again, Constantine. <laughs> wow. When the emperor of Rome, Constantine became a Christian. It was a good thing in a lot of ways. The, the persecution stopped. There was a lot of other things. But suddenly, it started getting really blurry what the difference was between being a Roman and being a Christian. He used his influence in some really harmful ways. Uh, the, the difference between being a, a Christian and, and what a kingdom on earth looked like and a kingdom that is not of this world looked like started getting blurry. I want to say out loud, uh, when I'm talking about history, our history, any other history, I'm not blaming anybody. And I'm not talking about your Catholic grandmother or other friend. And I know many wonderful people from this congregation grew up in the Catholic Church. I'm not blaming you. I, 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 I respect you and I love the traditions that you bring in to the mix here. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the facts. Are you, are you with me on this? And what happened was that by the Middle Ages, the church was the Roman Catholic Church of the Middle Ages. And, and the, one of the biggest scars on history that people that are not believers point back to is real. And that was the Crusades. Between the 1100s and the 1300s, really rough, round numbers, we actually went to war. The church went to war against Muslims. And people were really passionate about it. They were willing to give their lives to physically defeat who they saw as their enemies. Is it, do, we see the problem in this, right? Amen. And this is just one example of how we dare not do this kind of thing now. Because this same idea, this same idea of us versus them, this same idea of we're going to do God's kingdom the way people do regular kingdoms. The best thing, the idea that the best thing we can do as Christians is get power so that we can force people to do things God's way. That mentality messes us up every single time. It ruins the church. It ruins our chances. It's one of the reasons it's taken 2,000 years to reach everybody. We've got to get it right if we're going to do this. See, God always designs really diverse teams in every sense of the word. People from every ethnicity, every culture, every language, every tribe, every nation, call it what you want. He wants people from everywhere. One of the things we're still waiting on is reaching everybody. He always makes sure that his spirit empowers everybody with a huge variety of gifts. So all, all the spiritual gifts are represented. All of us can work together as one big healthy body under the head, which is Christ. This has always been his vision. And whenever we start saying, no, 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 we're, we're Christians and this, it gets broken. So I'm passionate about this. I don't mean to be so serious. Are you still okay? Are we, are we good? Let's talk about Indiana Jones again for just a second. 
One of the things I really love about uh, the third story is the interplay between him and his dad. They're so alike in so many ways, much more than they want to admit, but they're also really different. His dad has a much deeper faith, and he also has a lot more knowledge than Indy has. Indy is better at the action and the emotion and getting things done, but neither one of them is ever successful until they work together. Do you see the beauty in this? See where this is going already? This is how it always is with Christians as well. There's always some of us that are really into the deep, deep learning. Some of us have literally what the scriptures call a gift of faith. We can believe in ways that other people just can't even understand how we can believe that strongly or not have doubts. I'm not one of those people, by the way. I, I have to think. I have to experience. I have to study. I have to dig really, really deep to be able to believe. And I believe with all my heart because God holds up to the scrutiny. But I, I just really admire people who can just believe it. But we need all of those people. And we also need the people that are willing. They're like, why are we just doing class all the time? Get out there and get something done. We need those people on the team, too, or nothing ever would get done. We'd think we were getting something done just because we had a fun Bible study. The Bible study is what fuels us up to go get something done. We need those people on the team too. Or is this making sense? And when they finally started working together, pooling their resources, pulling everything, not only was it much more fun, they finally succeeded. They found the Holy Grail. Another great movie that is a wonderful adventure is Onward. Has anybody seen Onward? It's a newer movie, really, really fun. This time it's two brothers. And again, one of them has a lot more knowledge and a lot more faith. The other one's more emotional and more just get something done, just try it. But the two of them start working together, they actually get somewhere. Something amazing happens when they go, listen to me, when they go on an adventure together. Again, I don't think anybody who made any of these movies we've looked at or talked about, I don't think they meant to tell us the gospel. It's just, it's so deeply embedded in our hearts and in our souls and in the DNA of, of human beings who are made in the image of God that sometimes we just can't help telling the story that our hearts yearn for. Sometimes we just can't avoid these themes. These are the kind of stories that end up being timeless. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ prayed for. In John chapter 17, we get to hear a lot of the things Jesus was praying the night that he was arrested, the night that his whole death and burial and torture and everything that was just talked about a moment ago, the night that started. And when he went into the garden, the whole chapter, again, in the Bible study, it's just John 17, read the whole thing. But we see that Jesus prayed a lot for God's will. It was a struggle for him to submit to God's will and God's vision, even though he shared it. But he prayed for that, but he spent even more time praying for his disciples and praying for us and praying for our holiness. <laughs> holiness? One more time. I've said this several times. I want to make sure this sticks. Holiness in the scriptures, of course, means cleanliness. Of course, means purity. Of course, means avoiding sin. Of course, means focusing on what's true. But the deeper meaning that that's built on is that it's set aside for a specific purpose. That's the core meaning of holiness. Best way I know to explain that is, is like a toothbrush. How many have a toothbrush? Please, everybody raise your hand. <laughs> 
Your toothbrush probably would work well for a lot of other jobs besides brushing your teeth, but I hope you don't use it for anything except brushing your teeth. Your toothbrush is special because it's just yours and it's just for cleaning your teeth. Do you see where we're going on this? That's why it has to stay clean. That's why you don't use it to clean the toilet or other things. Are you with me? That's why. It's why it has to stay pure. It's why it has to be different and separate from everybody else. Because it's got a very specific job. And that's what Jesus was praying for us that night. That we would be holy. We would be set apart in every sense of that word. He prayed this. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. That you love them as much as you love me. This is my hope. This is my prayer as we start a new year together. In 2022, I believe that we're going to start. I I hate this term, but we're going to reclaim it. We're going to start the last crusade. And the reason it's going to win is because we're going to do it right. The Crusades failed because they got everything wrong. They thought it was about building a kingdom on earth. They tried to force people to follow Jesus by force. They arrogantly and literally tried to defeat their enemies. There was hate. There was violence. There was everything that Jesus stood against was what they were trying to do in the name of Jesus. That's why it failed. But Jesus himself said that someday somebody on this planet was going to win. Somehow, someway, his people were going to get it right. What if it's us? What if it's this year? If it is, we're going to have to work together. We're going to make one final, focused, unified effort. Not just Morrison Hill, but all God's people on earth. If we do that, we're going to reach the whole world. We know this because Jesus commanded it. He said that he would be with us till the end if we went into all the world and made disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things that he commanded. And he said this, the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Over the last several weeks, we've explored, I don't know if you noticed or not, but we spent a lot of time in Ephesians 4. This morning, I'm just going to read one verse from it, but I hope that you remember all these themes that we've walked through. Humility, gentleness, patience, unity, again, The idea that there's one God, one faith, one baptism, one so many things, and we have to be one over and over and over. This this idea that we do things together is right there. It's inescapable. It talks about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. It talks about, again, unity and that we're growing up into maturity. And then it says, Paul says, then... 
when all of this happens, when we actually live this way, we will no longer be tossed around like we're on waves. We'll no longer act like little babies. We'll be mature. We won't believe lies, even the really creative, wonderful sounding ones. We're going to know the truth. He says, instead, verse 15, instead of all of that, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. I love to go on adventures. I've been privileged to be part of Adventure Camp now for many, many years out at camp. We do a lot of climbing and jumping off of high things into, into water, not onto the ground. Um, and, and, but I'm, I'm always scared when I'm up there. I'm not scared of dying. I'm always scared of breaking my neck because I like moving around. Are you with me on this? I like to be able to do this. There's something terrifying. And man, I have nothing but respect for people who can overcome disabilities, injuries, or, or whatever it is where they can't move in every way. I, I absolutely have. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But we all know that ideally we're supposed to have a connection between our head and the rest of our body. That's, that's the dream, right? And those of us who have been blessed to be able to experience that most of our lives, we, we don't want to lose it's a tragedy if we're disconnected and so everything just does nothing. Just these ideas in the head having ideas but nothing actually happens. That's exactly what it looks like when we get disconnected from the body of Christ and when we get disconnected from Jesus Christ, the head of that body. We dare not let ourselves be paralyzed. When we go on an adventure, when we actually do something that the head is telling us to do, when we work together and we actually get something done, amazing things happen. We actually start to get stronger. We get better. We get better together. We get more like Jesus, a little bit more like each other. We think differently. We see differently. Everything is different. In Indiana Jones, I love that by the end of this story, this father and son who were just button heads nonstop, they're literally giving their lives for each other. Indiana gives, really risks his own life several times to save his dad's life. And both of them give up their deepest passion, their deepest dreams, their deepest goals for the other. That's, that, that's actually normal when we go on an adventure that Jesus sends us on. And we work on it together. That's what it looks like. And in Onward, by the end, the same thing happens. A lot changes in their story. They learn a lot, but mostly they learn a lot about themselves and each other and their relationship changes, their perspective changes, everything about how the two of them interact with each other, with their mom, with the rest of the world, with life, with truth has shifted because of this adventure they went on together. And that's exactly what happens. If we don't, listen to me, if we don't go on the adventure together, we never actually change. If we don't go on an adventure together, if we don't try it, if we don't win a couple times and fail a couple times together, we don't change. We don't see things differently. We don't see each other differently. We don't become more like Jesus. But if we do, if we go on the adventure if we do it, if we risk it, if we say yes and we do it together, we work together, the job gets done and we become more like Jesus. 
Here, here's the reason it's going to work if we have one last crusade that's done the real way, not the old way, the Jesus way. It's going to win if we build it Jesus' way. Would you say this out loud with me? We will build Christ's kingdom his way. One more time. We will build Christ's kingdom his way. Doesn't that just make sense? Why do we want to complicate things? Why do we want to say, well, that's a great idea, Jesus, but here's how I think we should do it. That's a great idea. I've got so many ways that I think it'll work better than your plan. No. That's a great idea. And what if we also force people to do it? That'd be a great idea. What if we get politicians involved? Why? Why do we do this? We work together and we build it his way. And here's, here's what that looks like. We start prioritizing each other above ourselves. We serve each other. We will find enemies along the way, but we love them. We pray for them. We don't fight them, trying to destroy them and conquer them. We love them. We pray for them like Jesus taught us to do. We keep inviting them into the adventure with us. We tell the story accurately. We tell the story relentlessly and passionately, not just with our words, but how we work together, how we talk to each other, how we talk to people outside of our community, how we reach out. We keep inviting everyone everywhere into the great adventure with us instead of trying to be the greatest in a little pile of people that we think is the kingdom. The disciples really struggled with this as well. And one day when they were struggling with this, Jesus, here's in Mark 35, he sat down and he called the 12 disciples over to him and he said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. That's what it looks like. Here's something else Jesus said, John 6, 40. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. This idea of exclusivity, of us being the church, and as long as we're having a good time, forget everybody else. That is the antithesis of the dream that Jesus gave us. When we talk about first and last, I think it's also important as we start to turn this final corner this morning, wrap up today, and also wrap up this, this whole series. I, I, I need you to focus. If you drifted a second, I need you to hear this one. Okay, listen, this is so important. There's two big ideas that all of this points to that Jesus and the other New Testament writers point to all the time. One is the last day, and the other is the last days or the last times. These are super important things. It's the last days, the last times is right here, right now. It's everything in between Jesus ascending back to heaven and promising to return and when he actually returns. We now live in the last days. The early church had no idea it'd take 2,000 years. I'm not personally convinced that Jesus expected that either, but it's taken us 2,000 years. There's still a chance that we can get it right, though. And the last days continue until we get the job done. How many, am I the only one that's getting more excited about actually getting the job done? Amen. I'm the only one? No. Okay, I'm not sure what the amen was. I expected a no. <laughs> 
I'm serious. We've got to do this. This is who we are. This is what we do. But here's the other thing. It all points toward this thing called the last day. The last day of time. The last day of this world as we know it. That is separated from heaven as we know it. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. Everything's going to be different. God is going to live with us and us with God. We'll be with those we've lost along the way. It's going to be a completely different thing. But this reality ends with the last day, the return of Jesus. The last days wrap up with the last day. And that's what we are all looking for. That's what the Christ candle of Advent points to. That's what all the different things that we've been exploring point to. That's what we must point to. In the wonderful little letter of Jude, he writes this. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. This and many other passages in the New Testament that use similar wording to that. We, we, we love collectively as Christians to, to focus those words, that spotlight on other sins than the ones that we're tempted by. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's so dangerous because it's the same thing. Does that apply to sexual sins? Any flavor of sexual sins there may be? Yes, it does. We dare not pretend it doesn't. However, it also talks about when we are following our own ungodly desires, when we are, instead of trying to follow things Jesus' way, when we are following our natural instincts and putting those above Jesus when it comes down to it. That's the same thing. That's where racism and nationalism and living a life where we're constantly condemning other people and feeling really proud about ourselves for doing it. And all the other sins that we struggle with, it's that same thing. When we let anything divide us and distract us from actually working together and getting the job done, it's the same thing. No matter what kind of sin distracts us or derails us, it's the same thing. That's why Paul spent two whole chapters writing to Timothy. 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 3. If you haven't read those recently, again, they're in this Bible study. Please read them really soon. Go back the whole thing. Another passage, 1 Peter chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 3. Both of those are all talking about the last days and getting ready to for the last day. Uh, just a couple here in these last few minutes. 1 Peter 1, verses 5 to 6. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. In all of these passages, you see these same themes. Unity and humility. Love. Love for enemies, not hate for them. Love for them. A genuine desire and relentless effort to make enemies into friends and family. Speaking the truth and living the truth in love. It's everywhere. That's why in 1 Peter 3, verses 11 to 12, he's actually quoting Psalm 34, and he writes this, 
Turn away from evil and do good. Both. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. One of my greatest joys in life is to be with my sons who are now this close to every single one of them just all being adults. And see that they still not only like to hang out with us as a family, but they like to hang out with each other. Sometimes I'm a little jealous, to be honest, whenever they're doing something, just the four of them, and it's just a brother's time. But nothing gives me more joy to see these four completely different people. Some of the most completely different people ever, even though they grew up in the same house. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? Isn't that how it always works? But they genuinely love each other. And they prioritize time to be together. They make it happen. I love that. And I know that our Father in Heaven has the same joy when we work together and when we prioritize each other, when we build His kingdom, His way. At the end of Indiana Jones, they all ride off into the sunset. And it's not, it's not just cool because they're together and it's beautiful sunset. You just know there's going to be more adventures on the other side. You know Indiana and his dad are going to work together now. It's pretty clear that's how this story is going to go. At the end of Onward, you see the two brothers embracing and, and just starting to face life a completely different way. And, and it's not just a happy ending because they worked this one thing out and they forgave each other and they did some nice things for each other. It's different because you know life's going to be different on the other side. Brothers and sisters, that's what we have here. That's what the hope is. That's why we go back and look at the backstory of the church every single year. That's why we go back through Christmas and Easter and all the other things that we remember. That's why we remember Jesus every single Sunday. That's why we invest in Jesus every single Sunday. That's why we walk through his word every Sunday and worship and sing every Sunday. That's why we do this together because it matters. It's the only thing that matters. Is this adventure we've been called into. Don't miss it. If there's something that God is laying on your heart today, and especially if it's something that needs to be public, you need somebody to pray with you. You need somebody to walk you through that. Don't miss it. Jump in with both feet. And if you're in this adventure, thank you. I love you. Jesus loves you. Keep on keeping on. But as we all stand and sing, recommit to it one more time. We can change the world. We really can if we just work together and do it His way. Let's take a step in that direction this morning. Amen. Oh, please stand.